Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Keys went at man! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. He's his nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Woo! Yeah! Well, you well, called it. Out. Let's run out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah. Just hand on no, to the stage. Going. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast, episode 5 of the Big Bash Preseason, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I'm your host, Tim Williams, and holy moly, we are one week out from the first delivery of BBL 13, and geez, I'm excited. Not only for that, even more excited because we're about to get a full-blown, in-depth team reveal of a fella who, if you've been listening to this podcast, has won Supercoach BBL back-to-back. Unbelievable. Andrew Langley, good to have you on board, mate. How are you? Thanks, Tim. Good to be back again. I'm, I'm getting really excited. Less than a week to go. Fantastic. <laughs> mate, it's, it's exciting times ahead. We're, we're, what are we, a day, two days out from summer. Uh, good times ahead. Also with us, one of the sharpest minds in cricket. A bloke who, if they had, this might be a bit controversial, but I reckon if they had a market for the winners of Supercoach BBL this season. I hope I've got this next bloke about 10 cents ahead of Andrew Langley, who's won two on the trot. I just think he's due. Max Bryden, how are you? Mate, I'm, I'm good and believe me, I'd take it. Um, 25K looked very nice in the skyrocket uh, this summer. Um, we'll see, mate. As you can see, the way this preseason's going, there is so much change already happening. We think usually, you know, it's right up until the toss that we're making team changes. I think it's going to be even later this season with the amount of stuff happening. But, man, I'm going well, and, yeah, one week to go, I'm so pumped. I'll tell you what, if the bookies do frame a mark around the Supercoach Big Bash winner and they've got you 10 cents shorter than Andrew, I'm loading up on Andrew at those odds. <laughs> Guys, on today's show, as mentioned, we do have Andrew's team reveal. We'll be going through that with a fine tooth comb. We'll be dissecting the dual champs team. We've got our next two team previews in the Brisbane Heat and the Adelaide Strikers, our final two previews, actually, of the preseason, uh, looking at the guns, the pods, the avoids, the cheapies, all the good stuff from those sides. Experts voice in tonight's edition, Maxi Bryden will be taking that one. I'll be running the show there. So get Maxi's predictions for BBL 13 in Supercoach Big Bash. 
Guys, before we start, if you would like access to the SC Playbook premium content and you'd like to support the site for all the hard yards that goes in behind the scenes, all the extra articles, all pre-season and throughout each and every round of the year, we do have the SC Playbook subscription package available. The SC Playbook WhatsApp chat, absolutely firing at the moment. That is starting to pop off. I'm doing a big Q&A with the subscribers tomorrow. The first Q&A podcast we dropping with the subscribers questions next week before round one hits off will all, all the contributors will also be giving some feedback to all uh, the community as well leading into round one and throughout the season the late mail threads will be in there last minute team news the contributor chats all that good stuff you've heard it all before it also gives you access to the sc playbook <clears throat> unlimited group prize of five hundred dollars jump into our unlimited group regardless if you're a subscriber or not because if you're a non-subscriber and you win it you can still win 250 bucks with 250 going to the top rank subscriber to knock us off. The code for that, 863614. Also, guys, if you did want to get on board with SC Playbook this summer and sponsor the podcast, the website, the social content, all that good stuff, flick us an email at supercoachplaybook at gmail.com. That is supercoach, full word. Or you can just reach out via our social media channels and message us there. Enough out of me. Maxi, we're going to start before we get into Andrew's team. You mentioned before the show, the preseason news that is impacting big bash teams and super coach teams, it is absolutely flying. It seems like every two minutes there's something new that drops that impacts our super coach teams. There's been a bit the last couple of days, and you're going to run us through it in a quick little snippet. Absolutely. We've got injuries, we've got signings, we've also got people withdrawing from the tournament um, and they've all got knock-on impacts to starting teams, to roles and the best players in Supercoach. So starting at the top, the big one today, the Melbourne Stars have announced the signing of Imad Wazim, who's the Pakistani left-arm orthodox spinner and lower-order batter. Um, uh, Guys who are with a keen eye might remember him from a brief stint with the Melbourne Renegades a couple of years ago, um, but he will be joining the Melbourne Stars. Now, the tricky part with him is that he'll replace Liam Dawson at Game 4, which is awkwardly placed halfway between the Round 3 double game week for the Melbourne mm. Stars. So he won't have any relevance until probably their double game week in Round 5, but certainly um, a really solid international prospect that they brought in. Um, the next piece of news, Ollie Davies, really promising um, start to his summer and a guy that I know some people were quite keen on um, as potentially a bench stash or a bench loop. Um, he has a hairline fracture in his left hand that he sustained in the Sheffield Shield fielding for New South Wales. This is off the back of him scoring 80 on a pitch that the fourth innings team were dismissed for about 68 on. So he was just He's in career best form and unfortunately looks like he'll be missing at least the first couple of rounds of... Uh, of the uh, Big Bash, which is a real shame. The next piece is um, Englishman Rehan Ahmed, who's prodigious leg spinner. Um, he was anointed by Shane Warne at about the age of 13 as a future test player, and all that's basically come true for him in the last 12 months. And the Sixers picked him up in the draft, um, and he is expected to be withdrawn sooner rather than later. Um, he was already going to be coming about halfway through the tournament after making the England ODI and T20I squads. Um, but word has come through today that he's expected to be withdrawn, um, which would free up an international spot for the Sydney Sixers. Um, and we're getting whispers that that's likely to be another spin bowler, just given um, the Todd Murphy's going to be missing game one and the, the injuries to Stephen O'Keefe, which he's got one at the moment and he's one's always around the corner. He's got a case of the Sean Marshes. Um, could it be Navi, the Afghan who played for them last year, potentially? Um, if not, just keep your eyes out for that. It could have impacts for a guy like Todd Murphy or even Joel Davies, um, who's about 87K and might have been playing in game two. Um, some other bits of news. Josh Brown from the Brisbane Heat, he scored a big ton today in a warm-up match, which got tongues wagging. He hit 34 runs 
of one over, which was amazing. Uh, Scott Edwards, the former Victorian Premier Cricket wicketkeeper, now Netherlands uh, player who played in the World Cup. Um, he was playing for the Melbourne Renegades, so he could be a late replacement player um, for Quinton de Kock once he departs as well and does take the gloves. And the final bit of news out of that practice match was just Jack Wood from the Brisbane Heat. He was actually batting in the middle order um, for them, which is interesting. And it does open up the prospect that he could be competing with a Max Bryant for a number five spot uh, in that middle order as opposed to an opening spot. So heaps of news. We're staying all over in the WhatsApp chat. So if you need to stay up to date with all the changes, <coughs> I suggest subscribing to Playbook and joining that chat as soon as possible. You're a good salesman, Maxie Bride. And, uh, and as he said, we'll, we'll be doing another podcast, of course, before it all kicks off next week. But I'll also be doing, uh, generally with the Q&A podcast, I just get all the subscriber questions and punch through that and a few other, like my my trades for that week. We might have some of the contributors on board for that as well. But a, a bit of a more informal chat for anyone who's not familiar with the, uh, the NRL Supercoach Q&A podcast each and every round. But next week in particular, we'll be touching on all the latest team news and all the additional things going in to round one. Maxie, just quickly, there on the Sydney Sixers uh, and you mentioned Ahmed who's a chance to, to pull out for the Sydney Sixers uh, obviously with the, all the injuries around O'Keefe and Toddy Murphy and a few of these other blokes you know if before that round one double and, and I'm sure they'll probably get someone but let's say they weren't to get a frontline spinner in is there a beneficiary in that squad somewhere? The two biggest beneficiaries, if there is no spinner for round one, would either be Joel Davies as the only noted spinner in the squad. Mm. Um, he's the what nineteen year old, twenty year old. Uh, he's just come across from the Sydney Thunder, played two games for them last year. Bowls left arm orthodox and absolutely smashes it with a bat. Um, so he'd be a chance for a debut for the Sydney Sixers. Um, the other one, I think, is just sort of firming for Hayden Kerr's job security as well. Mm. Um, he was at risk of getting squeezed in a lineup that's got Dorshus, Abbott, and Curran. Um, so if, if there's restings of Abbott, um, resting of Dorshus as well, who's played a bit of shield cricket, um, anything like that, then that just firms for his job security as well. So that'd be the two biggest winners out of that. Yeah, the, the injury news to Ollie Davies is a bit of a blow. Cannot confirm or deny, but there's a bit few whispers around the cricketing community that Ollie's are actually trying to focus on his podcasting crew with SC Playbook, and he just he wanted the spare time over the summer <laughs> to jump on the podcast. So uh, again, uh, I can't confirm it, but just that's where we're going around, boys. Let's get into Andrew's team reveal. Jeez, I'm excited for this one. Uh, and before we get into the actual players, we had a good chat on uh, the most recent SC Playbook podcast with The Spy uh, and Maxie and myself about the shorter Big Bash season being nine rounds down from, I believe it was 13 last year. It's been longer in the past and how that's impacted uh, the approach to picking our round one squads and across the season in general and our trade plans. And Maxie Bryden is still... Still focusing pretty heavily on cash generation. I'm focusing on cash generation as always. However, I'm probably taking a bit more of an aggressive approach in that there's a shorter time period. I just want to bank points, points, points. So a little bit more aggressive. Uh, Andrew, how has the, the shorter season impacted your approach to round one? Yeah, it's certainly become a focus, cash generation. I think I'm trying to make sure I've got some players in my team that are going to get that early cash. Um, nine rounds scares me a bit. I'm I'm used to playing the long game. I'm not scared of playing the fixture and being a bit different to others, but I'm mm. I'm worried that might be too slow this year. I've got to not only get I've got to use my dollars to get as many points on field as I can, but I've got to um, try and be make sure I'm generating some cash certainly from my bench players. So a little bit confused by that because the, the way I see it is that because it's a shorter season, 
Uh, and the example I used on the last podcast was a guy like Jai Richardson, who traditionally I'd probably at 250K, 247K, whatever he is, I may not have started with because I'm like, oh, he's probably not going to generate cash for me and that's what I want to do early on. You're sort of gone the other way in that you're trying to generate more cash early on rather than focus on banking those points. Is that right? Trying to trying to get it quickly. Um, if I look at my team okay. last year, I got my team value up to $2.6 million by <laughs> round five, end of round five, and I think that was great. I had no no harm making decisions after that. If you got that team value up over $2.5 million, it seems you can have whoever you want. I'm a little bit worried that round five's too late. I wouldn't mind trying to make that, you know, mm. 25% gain in my salary cap in, in four rounds this year if it's possible. I don't okay. know if it is. I, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with you. I'm on board with you. So mm-hmm. one of the big discussion points every Supercoach season, whether it's Big Bash, whether it's NRL, I can only assume AFL Supercoach, no matter what fancy sport you play, is, there is uh, – a line in the sand moment where your approach changes from cash generation to focusing on points happens every time. What you're saying is that that line has come forward further because of the shorter season. So as you said, you're trying to generate the cash much quicker. Yeah. That line I usually aim for around five, maybe around six at the outside Mm. to have my team at the, I don't care value. I can choose who I want now and I don't care what the break evens are. I just I have a feeling I need to do that around earlier this year. I, I could be wrong, but um, I'll be trying. And you've got a crack, couple of uh, cracker articles on SFA book website, mate, and, and one of them is basically the 55 rule, the magic number 55 and your approach to it and, and speaking about things about squad value that you try and hit before that turning point comes. As a result of the shorter season, you know, that squad value that you try and hit each year before you start, to go, start going really aggressive – has the squad value dropped as a result or has it stayed the same? No, squad value um, is around the same. I've, the last couple of years when I've won, it seems once you can get above that 2.5 million squad value, um, you seem to be travelling okay. You're not compromising. You just target the players you want and bring them in. Um, I find if you're a little bit under that, maybe in the high two fours, that's when you might be weighing up between two players. You've got to – because I play the fixture – I'm usually rotating big value players anyway. Um, so even at 2.5 million, you can't have everyone. <laughs> but yep. I find that you don't need to compromise. All right, let's get stuck into your team reveal, mate. And uh, I know Maxi Bryden's chomping at the bit there to pick your brain. So how we'll do this, we'll go position by position, wicket keepers into batsmen into bowlers. Maxi, if you want to jump in, mate, and pick Andrew's brain, just don't worry about me, mate. Cut me off. Let's start at the wicket keepers. Uh, pretty... I won't say conservatively played here, but the popular options, you've got Sam Billings there and Sam Whiteman. Um, pretty straightforward options. Yeah, look, Billings, there is the risk he bats at four or five, comes in late in the innings, but I just think he's he's getting three bats. A wicketkeeper is a highly volatile scoring position, so I'm happy to just run with him and get three goes at the score. Whiteman's one of those strange ones for me because normally if I pick a player on the double, I want to field him. I think, why am I picking him if I've got him on the bench? Whiteman's not – he's got the double early on, but he is bottom-priced, and I love his round four and five buy. Um, It lets me loop in the wicket-keeper position, and I think that's quite valuable. So that's the reason I've gone with him. Maxi, 
I was about to ask you about Billings, but we're going to get to our heat preview pretty soon and tell you what, that that's a melon scratcher. There's a lot going on at that club. Uh, mate, let's get into your batsmen. Aaron Hardy, Will Sutherland, Colin Munro, Sam Harper, Glenn Maxwell, and on your bench, Cooper Connolly and Darcy Short. A couple of names that stand out there. Number one, Sam Harper. You touched on him a week or two ago last time you were on the podcast. Came out and belted about a 60-ball ton in the Shield since that. Uh, we were sitting here on the podcast a couple of days ago just saying we didn't know if Andrew would love or hate that because, you know, he's called it. He's got a bloke who's in red-hot form, uh, but it's also alerted the rest of the supercoaches to it. Talk us through Sam Harper. Uh, yeah, love-hate relationship. I reckon it hasn't done his um, any harm opening the bat, which is what I'm hoping I want to see. So coming out and doing that should be good for that. Um, Harper, I've got in my team. I know some people find that a hard one. They look at it and think, why Why Harper of all those wicketkeepers that are available? The the Stars have just got the perfect wicketkeeper draw. In the first six rounds, they've got three double rounds and they've got two buys. So I can use Harper. Not only He's not only worth to me his, his double round scores, but there's two rounds in there where I can use him to loop my wicketkeeper score. And, and combined with... With Billings and Whiteman, I've actually got a wicketkeeper on the loop in rounds two, three, four, five, and six. And oh, to me, that's quite valuable. Yeah, I look at other teams, and I've, I've seen some teams um, quite different to mine, but for the same price, you can have a your three, if you've got three wicketkeepers, you can have Philippi, McDermott, and Billings for exactly the same price. And if I was going for one round and I had the players on field, to me, it's a no-brainer. Philippi, McDermott and Billings is a stronger wicket-keeping combination. But when you look at, I'm looking at a season and I look at that Philippi, McDermott and Billings can only offer you a loop in round three and maybe round nine at the end with Billings, compared to my keepers that will let me have loops in those first six rounds apart from the first round of the season, I think that gives me a greater advantage over the people who are running with that, that oh. keeper line. So that's... That's why I'm going with Carper. I'm just trying to look at my keepers as a whole as opposed to Harper maybe not being the best keeper out there. But I, I just think he's combined with Billings and Whiteman, he gives me a, a lot of flexibility in that wicketkeeper position. Because the, actually... the other thing I haven't spoken about, yeah, the other thing I haven't spoken about though is someone who's running, say, Philippi, um, McDermott and Billings, if they haven't got a loop, they're putting one of those on their keeper bench. Which one are they putting on the bench? And they're running a risk of fielding the wrong one. And I'll guarantee you they're the comments we'll see on social media. Oh, BBL's a lucky game. I can't believe I get bad luck because they've fielded Spare. the wrong one. Spare me luck. Mm. There's a lot of luck involved in Supercoach, but there's a hell of a lot of talent and talent involved as well and ability. And, uh, Max, I don't know about you, but I, my spine was tingling listening to that little uh, King Theodon speech from Andrew. Maxie, what do you got? Yeah, I'll, look, I'll just second that. I mean, I think it's one of the most sort of common things that um, comes up in conversation when you're reviewing people's teams so far is they'll go, oh, I've got got this great player, and you sort of go, you, like, you know, forget the player, look at the draw first. Look at the draw, look at the role, and then we can discuss the player, and I, I think that's what comes through so clearly when you talk, Andrew. But, look, just, just a quick one on Harper. Um, I've followed his career pretty closely, and, and 
I think um, when he was at the Melbourne Stars, where he first got his gig um, in the BBL, um, he was he was pretty useless um, by all <laughs> by all measures. He, he was batting down the order. Um, I think the only guy he ever sort of made look like a talented keeper was like that made him look good was really how bad Seb Gotch was after him. But it, it seemed that Marvel Stadium and the short square boundaries was something that really reinvigorated him. Are you nervous at all that going back to the Melbourne Stars, bigger ground, shorter straight, that it won't necessarily suit his batting strengths? I, I am nervous from that point of view. Um, I've been a Harper owner in the past and um, he's not a pretty batsman to watch. <laughs> when you've got him in your team, he, he certainly plays some shots that <laughs> have your heart in your mouth. Um, and it's for that reason I've got him at the moment he's on the field um, for the reasons I said before about fielding a double round player. But if I do happen to try and play a loop on one of my starting players, Harper's the one I'm pulling with whether I put him on a bench and then have someone ready to bring into my team to take his score if need be. Um, I'm not settled yet which way I go, but I, I do have those those doubts with him. He could go big or he could go out first ball trying to hit a six at the MCG that goes two-thirds of the way to the fence. It won't be boring and that's the main thing, mate. Uh, Andrew, the Q&A podcast that we did to, to kick off the BBL 13 pre-season and one thing you spoke about was that I asked you about, you know, is the role of the sole batter in Super Big Bash dying out? How do you approach it? And you said, Obviously not dying out. There's always going to be a place, especially with the, the opportunity to loop in place. But you said you go pretty heavy on wicketkeeper batsmen. Now, in round one, with all the doubles, there's a lot of quality wicketkeeper batsmen. You've basically just rattled them all off. Now, I do note that you've only got three wicketkeeper batsmen in your, your team. And obviously, Sam Harper's the only one in that batsman role. I suppose, question one, like why why just the one wicketkeeper bat? Have you gone against your, your grain and your general um, movement there? And and to tie into that, a bigger mission was Josh Phillippe and why have you left him out? And I know you did say yeah, like so, more and touched on that. But. Yeah. So three keepers is my usual play. And so one of them is in the bats. Mm. I might go four. I can see an argument for having a fourth. Um but I'd prefer to have that all-rounder type role. And if you look at my team, who you rattled off before, they're all all-rounders apart from Munro, who's mm. playing three matches, and that's why I've taken the risk there. Assuming he plays the first match, that's another thing still up in the air. I've got no idea if he's, he's going to be here on time. Um, and with Philippi, it's purely he's – I don't love the sixes draw – the only thing that will see me bring a sixes player into my team is if I drop off one of my heat players because I will be trading that sixes player out in round two, most mm. likely. That's and, the only value I can see. They have a double in round one, then they've just got all these single games. They're not, they haven't even got any loop value for the rest of the season, so they've got no attraction to me. Um, and so Philippi, yes, he could come out and smash it and he's a good price. I just think other keepers, and with so many of these wicket keepers looking like opening the batting, I just think there's plenty of people you can bet against Philippi with. And while we're on the sixes, another key mission there is Sean Abbott. Um, you've listed a few reasons there and why you're going against the sixes. Does that make you nervous? Or, or Abbott at almost 200K, was he one that you sort of went, no, I'm happy to pot him? Um, no, I'm nervous about about potting the sixes, um, you know, they're, they're good players. There's some quality players there. 
I just, I'm hoping over time, by doing that over two or three rounds, I've made the right decision because I've chosen players that are going to give me more scores over a few rounds than the Sixers will for my team. If I pick Abbott, it's because he's got that round one double. He's got no other use. I'm then holding him for single rounds and I'd rather be spending that money bringing better quality players through my team and not holding on to him. So that's like I said, if I end up running with less heat players, yes, by all means, I'll look at an Abbott or a Curran. I'm not opposed to bringing a sixer in. It's just with the makeup of the rest of my team at the moment, I can't justify a sixer. I'd rather have a scorcher who I approach the same way. An expensive scorcher I'd want to get out quickly, but the scorchers play that first round later in the round. So I can make decisions later in that first round, depending how my players are going. So for example, I can look at my bench players and I can choose to keep a scorcher player or or go for that donut if I want it. But um, I just find the sixes, the draw playing second game, they just don't attract me for that reason. Yeah. Uh, mate, the next one I wanted to speak about, Aaron Hardy at 178K in from the Scorchers. I believe he was the top run scorer in the BBL last season. I th- we think, I think, Maxi, you might have him batting at number three for the Scorchers or four? Number three. Number three. I suppose talk us through that selection and what sort of role you think he may or may not play with the ball, uh, Andrew. I, I think he'll bat three. That's why he's in my side. And I think his role with the ball will depend on conditions and match situations. But he is the type of player he he may only get an over, but he could also get four overs, depending what's going on. And, yeah. and I just, that type of player who bats top four and is almost guaranteed a bowl, maybe not the three overs to get the bonus points, but he will get three and four overs in matches at times. He's just the type of player I'd rather not miss out on. I'd rather have him in my team and... And, and you know, benefit from that score or from that role. Maxi, with your Scorchers predicted lineup and whatnot, I know there's a bit of water to go under the bridge there. You know, we've got Ashton Agar, who's under a bit of an injury cloud. There's a few players returning from India, all sorts of things going on. What sort of role with the ball do you see Aaron Hardy playing? Probably really similar to what he did last year, which is not a huge amount. And I think um, Andrew put it well, it's just going to be conditions. Um, I think they played their first game at Geelong, which traditionally helps spinners a fair bit, despite it being quite a small ground. Um, so that might even sort of better support the all-rounders in Ashton Turner and Cooper Connolly more so than Hardy. Um, and then I believe that their next game is at the MCG um, against the Melbourne Stars, which um, is not not dissuited to his style of bowling as well, um, depending on pitch conditions, but it is also a bit of a lottery trying to guess what the MCG is like. So I don't think he's going to be that guy who's ever regularly bowling three-plus overs every game because sort of much like the Sydney Sixers, the five bowlers that they pick are so damn good that they just really don't need it. It's a, it's a real luxury. <laughs> so good. Uh, Andrew, the last one in the battle, sorry that we'll touch on, is Will Sutherland, who we've spoken a little bit about so far. Talk us through that selection and what role you see him playing for, for the Renegades, which, again, a little bit up in the air. And we saw Jake Fraser-McGurk, he turned up uh, in the Shield during the week. So, like, that Gage side, it is it is looking so good coming into this tournament. I, I see Sutherland's going to bat six or seven, probably named at seven each game. And but I reckon they use him as a pinch hitter. So I think he's one of those players that could come in. There's five overs to go. Let's bring Sutherland in and he's got license to swing the bat and he can get 20 off five balls. He's that type of player. 
Yeah. Um, he's bowling to my eye and what I've seen this year, he just in his figures, he seems to be constantly improving. He's becoming a better and better bowler with age. So I'm feeling more confident he'll have more overs this year than he did last year. Um, I am a Gades man. I think I've told you before. There's there's a bit of bit of love for the Chief there, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think he'll be a pop because of his price. So, And he's playing five games in the first three rounds and I can't see him dropping out of that. He's not the type of player they're going to rest. I think he's a guaranteed starter. They're going to play. Mate, we'll move on to your bowling unit. Tommy Rogers, Lance Morris, Adam Zampa, Marcus Stoinis, Paulie Walter, Tanvir Sanger, Tanvir Bloku. In the last two days, he's made his way onto the bench of my team as well. I think he's a great loot play for rounds two and three. Uh, and Maxi's man, Ben Menenti. Let's start. Where do we want to start here? Let's start at Lance Morris, another bloke that I know that Maxi's quite keen on. Uh, you've selected Morris over he- ahead of a few of his more popular teammates uh, in the squad. You know, Jai Richardson being probably the main one there at a substantially more expensive price. Um, why Lance Morris of the attack there? Even Jason Berendorf. We saw that spell he just bowled for Australia in the T20 over in India. God, I love Jason Berendorf. I just wish he could keep himself fit for his career. Uh, why Lance Morris, mate? Yeah, well, first thing I'll say when you look at all my bowlers and you see that I've got 86,000 sitting in my bank there, bowlers is one area where I might tweak things up a bit. Um, Lance Morris, I could afford Jai. How it sits and I could take Jai. Yep. But Perth got those four quick bowlers or five quick bowlers in Supercoach and three of them are more expensive than Morris and I don't think he's any worse bowler. He's bowling well. Um, you know, I, I think he's worth taking. He's quite a bit um, cheaper than than certainly um, Jai and um, oh, with the blank with all the others, but he's um, – I just think he's, yeah, a, off, he's a really Ty, good value yeah, they're the three, yeah. Berendorf and Ty. Um, I, th- I just think he's really good value um, to take a punt against those Perth Quicks. <laughs> Why not? Why not go uh, for it? Maxi, in this stacked lineup, who who bowls death, do you think, for the Scorchers? Uh, it'll be definitely AJ Ty um, and probably an overreach from Jai Richardson and whoever the third, also whoever the fourth quick is. So either Morris um, or if they're on rotation, Matt Kelly. So um, it's a pretty it's a pretty bloody good role um, for Lance if he can get it. Andrew, does rotation risk with Matty Kelly sitting there scare you at all? Uh, it does. Morris is a round one pick in my team. If you look at my team, he will be he's targeted to be traded out in round two. So it's just a very much a round one play. Um, and that's all part of the trying to piece together to afford Matty Short. <laughs> we're all we're all battling with that one. Um, so, yeah, it, it's I'm just needing to play two games in a row. They're travelling to Melbourne. They're playing the game in Geelong and Melbourne. They, you know, there's a pretty good chance they'll just stick. It's early in the season. Teams aren't going to want to muck around in the first two rounds. You don't want to put a game at risk just to rest the player in the second match of the season. That's my Jai thoughts anyway. Rich- yeah, Jai Richardson, God bless the man. First first-class game in more than a year today. Ten maidens, sorry, 23 overs, ten maidens, four for 36, economy 1.56. That man is elite. We haven't seen the last of him in the Australian test side. If he can keep his body together, stick with us, Jai. 
Uh, mate, uh, Blake, you mentioned there, Matty Short, uh, not in your team, not overly surprising, but I suppose the question is, what's your plan to get him in in round two? My plan is to you. well, my plan at this stage, I'm looking at Munro out of my team after his triple. It's 150-odd K. Um, Lance Morris and then possibly, um, possibly using Hardy as well. And it might still leave me with a Brisbane player. I mean, Paul Walter's still available. It's one of the reasons I've got a bit of cash. It might depend on how much cash I want to do. Ideally, I think I'd like to have three um, strikers on my bench. And the reason is I can focus on maybe bringing in two in round two. It'll give me five double round players. And I've got that third trade as flex. So I can go for the best available moneymaker with my third trade and to try and build team value. Um, so I'm just trying to get a you know, get a trade ahead on those. I, I, I can see teams where people only got one striker and they're going to have to probably target three strikers in round two, and I'd rather have a bit of flex for that round two trade. I, I'm in the same boat, mate, and I'm trying to stack my, my bench with strikers as well for round two, especially, again, we spoke about it on the last episode of the podcast. And go back, all the podcasts out the pre-season, we cover all the teams, all the fixtures, all the cheapies, all the good stuff. So they're all well worth listening to as you pick your team ahead of round one. But the issue with the strikers is just not that convincing a side at the moment, Andrew. So who to pick ahead of round two is a little bit tough, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, you know, I've gone Menenti because I, I just think now, um, you know, now Rashid Khan's not coming. I just think he's a really good chance to to be nailed in that side. He seems to be in a bit of form. And he's, he's scoring runs, which is a bonus for T20. Darcy Short, I'm just taking the punt like everyone else. Let's just hope we get the Darcy of old, but who knows what we'll get, but oh. you can afford it at that price. But there's, I really like Wes Agar, but everyone else I speak to seems to be worried he's going to get dropped out of the team. But, God, he's bowling well. He just he never, he always seems to play every game. I, I'm so tempted to just bring him in and put him on the bench. He's only 150K. Um, but there is risk there. So, and, and Baisley, what's, is he fit? Is he not fit? I don't know. So it's, it's hard. It's very hard. It's I've hard to go Henry early Thornton. anyway. I've, I've got Henry Thornton on my bench at the moment and I'm just I'm back in talent yeah. here. Guys, we'll, uh, we'll move on for the team <laughs> now because we will get to, like, you, you know, the other intriguing prospect there was Paulie Walter, but we'll get to the Brisbane Heat shortly. Uh, firstly, though, guys, if you are, you're out there, you're sleeping in your parents' granny flat, you've been working your butt off all year, you're sitting on a bit of a small fortune as a result of it. However, you don't want to wake up dusty on Boxing Day. You don't want to turn the test on. You don't want Rellos and all the distractions around on one of the biggest day, not one of the biggest, the biggest day in cricket in Australia on the calendar. Maybe, just maybe it's time you dip your toe into the property market. Most people out there think they're no chance of being able to afford property, but it's far more achievable than you actually think it is. Whether it's an investment property or a home of your own, that you want to live in, um, you might be a chance at it, even if you think you don't have the finances to do it. So if you are finding it, interested in finding it a little bit more about it, uh, whether it is buying now, whether you're planning to buy, buy down the track in a few years' time, reach out to Paddy and George, long-term sponsors of SC Playbook, from Mortgage Choice SCW. They'll steer you in the right direction and just give you an idea whether you are a chance to do so or not. And if you are, happy days. Good luck to you. You're doing better than I am. Usually it'd sting you $129, but if you mention SC Playbook when you get in contact with them, it's completely free of charge. To do so, flick the boys a message on Instagram at patandgeorge underscore SCW, or you can give them a buzz on 02-9521-1611. No matter where in Australia you are based. 
email and more details, all of that in our articles on the website at SC Playbook. Boys, just get stuck into our first of the team previews for the episode, the Brisbane Heat. They have an, I'm going to say, a historic round one triple game week. Now, the reason I'm a little bit reluctant to say that is that COVID-ridden season where the back end of it and there was just shit going on all over the place. I can't remember if there was a triple game week team there. You boys may be able to enlighten me on that one, but I think it's the first time it's happened. Uh, They do have the round one triple. They have the buy in round three. Player availability, there is so much going on at this squad that I'm just going to throw straight to Maxi for his round one starting eleven. Thanks, Timo. And yes, as you said, there's so many moving parts with this team. I think one of the most disappointing things is it looks like the team that we get in game one uh, won't be the same team that we get in game two or game three of the triple game week. But regardless, having a look at the ga- the squad for game one, which we think we're very close to nailing, opening the batting, it's going to be Colin Munro and Usman Kawaja at number three minus Labashain. Now, Kawaja, Labashain, yes, they'll be in the test team, uh, but they have confirmed that they're going to be available to play this first match at the Gabba on the 7th of December against the Melbourne Stars. Number four, wicketkeeper Sam Billings. He's in my team. He's in Andrew's team. I think he's in yours too, Tim. Yes. Um, very good player and um, very popular first-round pick. Um, he will take the gloves as well because regular wicketkeeper Jimmy Pearson is going to miss at least the first two games. Um, likely the first two games with selection in the Prime Minister's eleven. At number five and six, we've got Max Bryant, um, who's definitely been playing a middle-order role of late um, from his former life as an opener. And Paul Walter, the English all-rounder now, he's a very intriguing prospect we'll get to talking a little bit uh, late, but I've got him at number six. Number seven and eight, Jack Wildermuth and Xavier Bartlett, guys having a little bit of a resurgence in relevance from previous decent seasons in Supercoach. At number nine, Matt Kuhneman, 105K left-arm orthodox spinner, uh, number 10, Mitch Swepson. He's a cheapy, uh, not guaranteed selection in this team given his average form at the moment. Um, he's down the pecking order in Queensland cricket as well. And number 11, last year's revelation, Spencer Johnson. The guys who aren't playing at the moment just based on either unavailability for the test tour, the Prime Minister's 11s or injury, are Jimmy Pearson, Jack Wood, Matt Renshaw, Will Presswidge, Michael Nessa, Josh Brown and Nathan McSweeney. And that's the Brisbane Heat. Thank you, Maximus. Now, lot going on here, lot going on. And keen to get your boys' thoughts. The second the Supercoach schedule came out and I saw the Heat on a triple game week with four other teams on the double, I just saw red flags. I, I'll be honest, I don't really rate their squad. I think there's probably a bit of extra hype off the back of that stunning run to the final they had last year, but they started the tournament really poorly. Historically, in Big Bash, they've been poor. I think their squad is okay. I think it's probably flattered a little bit with Kawaja and Marnus Labashay in there as well. But, you know, Uzi and Marnus drop out. You know, they put up poor totals. They've got a pretty inexperienced bowling lineup when you've got Spencer Johnson there, Xavier Bartlett. Obviously, Nice will come back in. Uh, you know, if they start the tournament poorly, we have uncertain. Since I had these concerns over their team, we've seen the impact that the PM's 11s team has had, injury concerns. There are so many red flags. I'll start with you, Maxi. How do you feel about them? Because I, I'm starting to go further and further against them to start the season. Yeah, it feels weird. And I think that in many ways, like you need to take the triple out of your mind because of the 11 blokes who can take the pitch at any one time, there's probably only going to be four or five of them 
who are available for every one of those games. Go through those so players. You've got to really... Who are those five, four yeah. or five players? So the guys I think will be here for every game, um, and even some of these guys have got question marks over them, would be Colin Munro, and that's providing he's arriving on time from the T20 tournament, which we expect him to do. Sam Billings, um, same same thing. He's at the T20 team. Um, Max Bryant, if he is named at five, then that's just because of availability. Paul Walter, um, Englishman, uh, who will be number six. And again, his role's just going to change depending on who's in the team. He might bat higher. He might bowl. He might not bowl. Um, and then probably probably Bartlett and Kuhneman um, and Johnson. But even those guys, Bartlett's just returning from a long injury layoff and Spencer Johnson's had a dodgy calf as well, which saw him had to pull out of the tour to India. Um, he is, however, at the moment... Um, with the T10 tournament over in Dubai, as I saw from his Instagram today. So there's there's question marks galores over these guys, but there's a few names which might be around. I think that's why Billings has got appeal to me, and I think that's yeah. probably why Munro's got appeal to Andrew. Um, but even a guy like Johnson, who was one of the first picked in my team, I'm really excited to own him at 125K. He's If he's not naming game one, I'm, I'm going to have to scramble um, to find a replacement for him. Your top four, Maxi goes, Kawaja and Munro opening, Amanus at three and Billings at four. When Kawaja and Manus drop out, we'll expect McSweeney to come back into this lineup, as will Michael Nisa further down the order, Jimmy Pearson further down the order. Where does Billings bat, do you think, when Manus and Uzi go away after the first game of the triple? I'd say Billings is locked into four, just because yeah. it is quite a specialised position. Um, it's a spot where you really need gears. You, you need to either be able to take on the new ball and the field is up and score, or you need to rebuild innings. Um, I think what's what he's so good at is just his play to spin, which we know is such a big part of the middle overs. So he's locked into four. Um, the guys who might move could be Bryant, Walter. Like Walter could bat six, or he could bat you know behind Michael Nisa as well, or behind Pearson. He could he could go as low as eight once this team's um, sort of up and running. So. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of movement. Munro I think will be locked into an opening spot. The other spot will either go to Josh Brown, who scored 100 today in a warm up match against the Melbourne Renegades at the Junction Oval, um, or potentially Jack Wood as well, who's a rookie. Um, and number three, as you said, could be McSweeney. It could also be um, Matt Renshaw as well, um, just for something different. Left armour um, could become that six bowling option. So a lot of question marks. It's really sort of taken the gloss off it. Yeah, big time it has. Uh, Andrew, Colin Munro is in your team, 156K. He averaged 34.75 in eight games last season, striking at 150. Absolutely flying. Can hit a cricket ball. Uh, most recent cricket has been in the Caribbean Premier League. He's hit scores of 36 not out, 1, 4, 55, 72 not out. He's seen them all right. He averaged 27.7 in the Vitality Blast this year. Uh, he gets three bites of the cherry and he's in your team. Yeah, and he's played in Australia the last couple of years. He's, I just think he knows our conditions. Um, he's scored some big scores. Um, I think he's got a hundred. He may have even got a hundred in the Big Bash once. Yeah, so he's got a, he's got a couple. Yeah, so I just think he's for three bites at the cherry. I think he's he's in my team. The only thing that will keep him out is if for whatever reason he's not playing that first game. Maxie, any love for Xavier Bartlett, 133K? Now, he only averaged 28 last season, but from memory, he was um, he was a bit of a victim of substitutions and the, um, the super subs and all that sort of business. And he bowled a couple of overs, then he'd get taken off. And 
So I think that's probably impacted the poor average. But one that's probably is a bloke that you just mentioned, pending fitness, you expect to play all three games. We know he can hit a long ball. He's a good bowler. He's a wicket taker. Possibly one flying under the radar a little bit. Yeah, he. I think it was two seasons ago. He had an amazing season. Um, averaged, I think, 70-odd. Um, but in that season, most of his um, the scoring was coming with a bat. Um, he was mopping up for a team that was having awful collapses um, and, you know, top scoring from sort of number eight, number nine position. Um, he's 133K, so he's not cheap. Um, I think the the difficult thing with this Brisbane lineup is just also knowing the times that these players are going to bowl. You know Spencer Johnson is going to be rusted on for one of those death bowling slots. Um, Michael Ness is probably the other guy um, who's going to get it when he is available. So um, he's not an awful pick by any means, um, X, if he is available. Um, I think personally, I still find he's probably just a little bit expensive given that he's... Um, I wouldn't. I just can't see that he can replicate the scoring that he's done in the past, given how much of that he did with the bat. Andrew Paul Walter is a player that is in your team, English all round at 105k, 17 games in the T20 Vitality Blast this year, 363 runs, an average of 21, strike rate 157.8. He took 12 wickets in economy of economy of 9.08 in his 17 games. Um, almost better with the willow than the ball there. I have my reservations just on uncertainty around roll. Uh, his first time in Australian conditions more so with the bat, his wicket-taking ability. He does start cheap, and there is a chance he lands a plum roll with them, but there are a few too many question marks for me, but you like him, and I know Maxie Bryden likes him as well. Yeah, look, I what got my attention, I haven't actually seen him play, but when you look at those figures over in England, he certainly seems to score at a fair rate in that middle order. He seems to bat regularly between positions four and six. It looks like he gets about a wicket a game on average. A couple of games he'll get some more. He might go wicketless in a game, but he's he's around that one wicket a game average. So I just think for 105,000, he's playing three games in that first, in that first uh, round. He's just worth a punt. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go in blind and have a shot at him. Maxie, Spencer Johnson, weapon. Knows how to bowl a cricket ball and knows how to do it very well. 125K, average 40 last season. Hasn't, didn't take a ton of wickets last campaign, but he's got it in him. In fact, in his last seven games, he's only taken three wickets. That's across a T20 series against South Africa, a bit of other cricket as well. Bit of a watch on his fitness at the moment, as you mentioned. Uh, provided he gets named for a game one, you mentioned he'll bowl death. Pretty hard to pass up, but not without a bit of risk due to just recent injury, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is that the schedule for the Brisbane Heat to fit three games in that round where you know most teams are playing two, but some teams are playing just one, is quite tight. Um, so the risk of rotation is is absolutely real. Um, Spencer just seems to be one of those players that is very hard to hit, um, but doesn't necessarily correlate to wickets. It's like a lot of dot balls. And, He's and, almost and too good. He beats the back even, much. He does. And I think, you know, um, if you had a look at his figures from the 100, um, he had one game where he broke the internet. I think he got three for one um, with, you know, a record amount of dot balls. Um, but then he finished with four wickets from seven games or something like that, or only five wickets. So there was a, there was a few games where he went wicketless. Um, while still maintaining a really good economy rate, I'm sure really contributing to his team. And it was sort of similar last year. Like he he made good money from his economy rate and dots, but didn't necessarily take wickets. I think that guys like that 
will just be better for the run. Mm. Um, I don't think that it's unrealistic to expect that he can get better um, and he can learn to, you know, hit the stumps a few more times with some deliveries um, and improve what he's doing. So um, for 125K, if he's named in round one, I'm happy to take a bit of a punt because, you know, look, worst case, if he doesn't play, um, you expect him to play at least two um, and... Like especially without Nessa there, like the, he he becomes the spearhead of that attack, which is crazy given he's only played about eight games of Big Bash. Um, but the, he's not really going to lose money, I don't think. He um he doesn't need to score that that many points just to sort of maintain his value. And that's the beauty of the triple game week, isn't it? Even if they there is a bit of a, a resting risk and they only play two, well, it's still as many as any other player in the comp who's going to get two max in round one. So it's not the end of the world. There's there's a bit of a super coach spy about Spencer Johnson. I've seen him roll the arm over before. The spy's got a bit of heat about him, but whenever he takes zero wickets, he just goes, kept beating the bat. They couldn't hit me. They couldn't hit me. They couldn't hit me. And I was in there, mate. You got no it's wickets. too good. You got no wickets because you bowled shit, not because you kept beating the bat and they couldn't hit you. But anyway, that's a conversation for another time <laughs> when he can defend himself, the spy. Um, the last one that we will touch on, I think, here, and I'll throw back to you, Maxie, because you've spoken a little bit about it before, but Mitch Swepson, who's in a lot of teams at the moment, 71K. As you've said in the past, there's a reason for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think his ownership is at 38%. So people are just looking at the price um, as much as anything, the name probably, given that he he has had some purple patches in the past. But um, Swipson's down the pecking order in Queensland cricket. And the only reason I've got him in the 11 at the moment is because of the people who are unavailable um, to bowl in that team. Um, there's every chance that if the Brisbane Heat get Michael Nessa back, that Wildermuth and Bartlett can maintain their spots. Um, and Swepson's the one who, you know, gets gets shuffled out of the team. It's what happened in their run to the finals last year, and Kuhneman became the number one and only spinner in the side. So I, I just don't think he's necessarily got the potency. But look at the price. Like, it, it could be worth a punt. Um, but again, like, you, you look at the price and you sort of go, much like Darcy Short, he had a shocker last year, and that's why he's cheap. So um, I don't I haven't really sort of seen any evidence to suggest that he's going to turn that around this season. Expert's voice. Maxi Bryden, you're on the, on the receiving end of it this week. Your predictions, Supercoach predictions, and general uh, Big Bash predictions for BBL 13. Let's get stuck into it. Who will score the most points this Supercoach BBL season? I'm going to be really boring and say Glenn Maxwell. Um, I think he's the most common answer to this question. Um, but I just think his form line, his role – um, is hard to beat. And more than anything, he just looks hungry and happy at the moment. So um, I think he's going to go bonkers this season and blow some of those contenders from last year like Hardy and Matt Short out of the water. I'm going to rattle you here, mate. Who will score the second most Supercoach points this BBL season? Ooh, good question. <laughs> um, provided he's here for enough games, I would say Tom Curran. Um, the chance for him to bat six and bowl death and really sort of usurp Dan Sams for the best role in the game um, is real now that Dan Christian isn't with the Sydney Sixers. Um, so if he can string enough games together, I think he could threaten Maxwell at the top there. From one Maxwell to another, who is your cheapy of the year nominee? It's got to be my man, big bad Ben Menenti. Um, after the rev up I gave him on the last podcast, uh, this Adelaide striker signing of David Payne, I think, locks in really nice job security for him. Um, he is another pinch hitter. 
which Spy will love. Um, he can come in and hit a big ball. So I think he's going to have a really, really good season, become a mainstay and make very good money in the process as well. So I'll go with Ben Menenti. Yeah, the Spy would be opening the bat with Menenti if you had a choice of that one. Who is your round one pod, your point of different player? Great question. Um, I think on percentages, it is Lance Morris. Um, Morris, as we've just spoken about, um, he's got all the ability of his teammates um, at a much friendlier price. Um, he averaged 70 last year, which I think was the fourth highest in the competition, but he gets a discount because he's only played four games. So um, his ownership's low, his potential is high, um, and I'm really excited to own him this year. Who are your top three must-haves this season? Again, I'll be pretty boring. My top three must-haves would be Glenn Maxwell, um, goes without saying, Adam Zampa. I think he's got the draw, he's got the form line, he's got the teammates around him to go better. Um, the other guy who I had locked in here got injured uh, this week, which was Kane Richardson. So I am going to go his teammate in Tom Rogers. Again, there's something about the Renegades this year, that draw, he's going to have the plum roll. And I think now, seeing what he's going to do and the job security that he's got, um, that he's worth his $184,000 price tag to start the season. Who will be the most improved player in the Big Bash? This is a name that you guys uh, would love to hear, um, but I think it's going to be Jack Edwards. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for that one of you to mention him. Jack is a guy who I've loved watching um, since I first got the chance to see him play in an under-19s game uh, at the SCG prior to that World Cup. Um, he stood out on that day because he's bigger than everyone else um, and he waxed the ball an absolute mile. Um, and... That was six years ago. He's 23. It feels like he's been around forever. Um, but given the start to the summer that he's had, um, I think he's primed for a breakout season for the Sydney Sixers. Um, they've got a spot at number three, which I'd love to see him slot into. Um, more realistically, I think it could be in that number six uh, as the as the all-rounder spot um, to fill the, the boots of Dan Christian. Um, but he's got all the potential in the world, and I really hope that it's a summer for Jack Edwards. Who plays in the final, mate? Uh, it's got to be the Sixers um, for obvious reasons. Uh, but up against them, I think, unfortunately, uh, it's going to be the Perth Scorchers once again. Their bowling attack is not only world-class, but it's going to be available. Um, I think the fact that some of these teams are going to lose internationals as we get to the pointy end of the season, um, I'm looking at New Majeeb, um, is going to make it tough for some of these teams to really sort of push on and threaten the uh, the big two. So I'm going to go Sixers, Scorchers, and hopefully a Sixers Revenge win at the SCG, which I will be watching and screaming very loudly at. Like it a lot. We'll be in attendance to that one when the SCG hosts the final. Lucky last question and the best one on the list. What was your biggest super coach Big Bash learning from last year? Uh, the biggest learning was to continue to focus on the draw and don't get sucked in by a reputation. Um, when I looked at my team and looked back at my uh, performance last year, I think I finished 400 and something. Um, I was in a really good spot poised to, to crack into the top 100 um, up until a few silly decisions late. Uh, I got sucked into Manus Labuschagne um, based on what he had done two seasons earlier. I got sucked into Travis Head based on test match form. Um, and I went away from what had gotten me into a good position, which was all-rounders. I was selling guys like Bo Webster. Um, I was avoiding guys like Will Sutherland who were scoring well. Um, and even it was like Fahim 
uh, from uh, Hobart Hurricanes, who was scoring really well uh, in the end in favour of big-name bats who, um, you know, the ceiling's always good when they go well, but when they don't, they really, really hurt you. So um, my biggest learning is to continue to focus on those all-rounder roles um, and play the draw throughout the whole season, not just at the start. Very good, my friend. I like it a lot. We'll revisit these at the end of the season, see how all the boys have gone uh, with their predictions for BBL 13. Guys, I had a coffee this morning with Gareth White from Seekle. Chatted about a few things about how to help people out that are struggling a little bit on the punt. He mentioned, and it stuck out to me, that a lot of people who chat to him mentioned that a bad day on the punt puts a lot of strain on their relationship with their partners. The mood goes downhill at the end of the day when they've gone 0 from 10 at Rose Hill, they've gone 0 from 8 at Flemington, they've chased a few more at Ascot and they've gone no good and they've ended up, they've lost their money, bit of tension builds, it boils over, arguments ensue. Uh, not a nice thing, of course, and it doesn't have to be this way. I think it's the most important thing to get across. If you think this might be you, it's happened in the past, it might have happened in more than once, that's all right. It's a part of life, not everything goes to plan. Don't wait three months, don't wait six months before this message gets through to you to do something about it. Get in contact with Sequel right now. It's completely free of charge. It's completely confidential. Cannot stress that enough. No one will know about it. Take the first brave step, get in contact with Gareth and his team in a move you won't regret <clears throat> to do so. Message them on Instagram at Sequel Gambling. That is Sequel, C-E-C-A-L. You can buzz them on 02 9559 4013. Email him, gareth.w at sequel.org.au. Doesn't matter where you are in Australia. Reach out to them, guys. Very, very good move, that one. Now, boys, our last preview before we wrap up the show, the Adelaide Strikers. And, Maxi, I'm going to throw back to you shortly. They have the round to double. Andrew spoke a little bit about them before. We're all trying to stash them on our bench a little bit. We're all trying to work out how to get Maddie Short into our team for round two, having the funds to make that viable, they have the round three buy. So we'll get them in, and then we'll get them straight back out. Player availability, pretty well all good. I'll be honest, I'm not convinced on the strikers squad at the moment. Availability-wise, though, not too, too bad. Test stars, Travis Head, Alex Carey, no good. Uh, of course, because of test duties. Maxi, what's your starting 11 for the strikers? Yeah, look, just the only caveat to this starting 11 is we haven't had confirmation on those two test players, Kerry and Head, for game one. Um, given that Steve Smith's been permission to play in Sydney on the 8th of December, um, ahead of the test match starting on the 14th, um, you'd have to question if the likes of Head and Kerry could play on the 9th in Adelaide, which is a lot closer to Perth. Um, we just don't know. Um, but we're not going to factor them in for now. And the predicted lineup for the Adelaide Strikers for round one is as follows. So opening the batting, it's the Short Brothers, Matt and Darcy, new recruit from the Hobart Hurricanes. At three, Chris Lynn. Number four, Adam Hose. He had a fantastic uh, debut season for the Adelaide Strikers, a real quiet achiever. Um, really played that number four role to, to perfection. At five, Thomas Kelly. That's one I've got a few question marks over, but there isn't really a great amount of depth at the moment elsewhere in the squad, so he maintains his position for now. At number six, English all-rounder Jamie Overton picked up through the draft. He's a little bit like Paul Walter. Um, he's an okay bowler, but he's a very aggressive and hard-hitting batsman who I think will like Adelaide Oval. 
Number seven, it's Ben Menenti. Who else? Number eight, the wicketkeeper, Harry Nielsen. Batting below Overton and Menenti. I think it needs to happen this season if this team is going to be taken seriously. Number nine, Henry Thornton. Wes Agar. And then 11, the new recruit this week, David Payne, the English left-arm quick, who I've just checked in is only in 119 teams, um, which would make him a super pod to own at 0.5%. So um, he could be my my new pod uh, by the end of this pod. So... That's the Adelaide Strikers. Maxie, you're a fiend for an Adelaide Strikers quick bowling pod as well. You've had one just about every season. Thornton last year. Uh, Agar, so it, it could be pain season for you. <clears throat> Let's go straight to the big boy, the name on everyone's lips, Matty Short. A, a blistering last Supercoach breakout season for him. Andrew, I'll throw to you, mate. 244K. I feel like the question is almost... But let's start with can you stash him on your bench? Because I know Maxi Bryden at one stage did have him there. He had a bit of cash left over. He might still have him. Could, could you stash him on your bench round one? Uh, my plan is to go dry Richardson to him in round two. Could you bench him? Um, I think you could. And when my first team reveal with the Murdoch media was I had him on the bench, <laughs> I just think he's too much. He's too much money put on the bench. I'd rather have that money going towards scoring points in round one. Um, I can see if you've got all the players you want on field and you happen to have the cash left over, yeah, squeeze short in on the bench. But you'd want to have your team structured in such a way that you've got the emergency on him. And if he does happen to go off, you can get that score on field. I reckon he's a complete waste if you've got him on your bench and you've got no way no way of getting him if, if he does happen to go off. Um, so yeah, for me, it's a, a no. Think of another way to get him in. I mean, touch wood. You'd hate to put him on your bench already for round two, and he gets an injury or something horrible like that in the first game. Doesn't just, you'd hate it. Yeah. So I think just get your money on field, get the best players you can playing round one, but but make sure you've thought out how you're going to get him in your side, and 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 what's your backup to get him in the side? Because I think a lot of people are cutting it fine with those trades from round one to round two, maybe have a bit of flex in what you're going to do. So if things don't go right, a couple of the players you're going to get rid of dive in price and he goes up because he goes huge. Make sure you've got that plan B for how you're going to get him. He's just got the ultimate role. For now, Maxi, Ben Menenti's there in your predicted lineup. Darcy Short's in your predicted lineup. Is there a world where Matt Short doesn't bowl off the car, off the bat for the strikers in round two, or he'll be bowling? There, there definitely is. Um, I think he's definitely a better bowler than Darcy Short. And just having a look at last year's stats, he Matt Short bowled in every game. He averaged two and a half overs per game, so it was fairly reliable. Um, but it's just the, the the captain has got so many options. Um, yeah. Everyone in that team, with the exception of Thomas Kelly, Adam Hose, and the keeper, um, all have got the potential, uh, and Chris Lynn, uh, have all got the potential to bowl at, at some point. I think it's, it's eight options altogether, all seven. So there, there is a world where they go with the specialists, um, in which case he probably would be overvalued given that he did take 11 wickets last year and had a pretty decent economy rate. So he, he did generate a lot of points um, with that facet of the game. Um, but we don't know. And I think that that's what has led to me removing him from my bench. Um, if, if he was the sixth bowling option, then yes, absolutely. I'd feel comfortable doing yeah. it. 
But the fact that there are so many people um, and quite a different bowling makeup with no Siddle this year or Rashid, then it's it's just too big of a question mark for me. If he doesn't bowl in round one, then there might be a serious anti-pot opportunity um, in round two. Yeah, that's it. If he doesn't that, um, bowl... That'd scare, me. that'd scare me. Like, he doesn't bowl round one and you're hoping he doesn't bowl round two and three. That's... Um, yeah, yeah. If, if he if he doesn't bowl game one and you pot him in round two, just hoping he doesn't bowl. Oh, it's going to be a nervous watch that first game. <laughs> really nervous Absolutely. watch. We've we've spoken about Darcy Short and a fair bit of depth already on this episode and throughout the preseason, so we'll bypass him. Uh, Jamie Overton, Maxi, is a bloke that you're relatively keen on. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when that uh, Rashid news first came out, I thought that his role looked pretty good. Um, sixth bowling option or fifth bowling option, um, but, but real, real potential to bowl death alongside Wes Agar just because I don't necessarily think that that's Henry Thornton's game. Um, but the inclusion of David Payne means that I think that Payne and Agar are going to be the death bowlers this year. And Overton's bowling load could be the thing that sort of suffers because of that. Um, I have gone a little bit colder on him, and he's just another one that I want to see what the role is in round one before investing in round two. Um, but he's he's a big, tall player. He, he's kind of medium fast. He's not express. He doesn't necessarily have a bag of tricks, but he certainly is in the game a lot. He'll field in hot spots. Um, he'll, he hits a big ball. He'll come in. He could be elevated as high as number five if they need pinch hitting because you know Thomas Kelly, who I've got in there at the moment, isn't even being selected for South Australia. Um, so he's certainly a guy who's active and scores in every facet of the game. He's just probably like a like twenty k more expensive than Paul Walter for a, quite a similar role you'd expect. Uh, Andrew David Payne, Henry Thornton, Wes Agar, and I suppose we can throw James Basley into this fold. Max has got him outside his eleven at the mm-hmm. moment due to an injury complaint, but he could easily slot in there. Of those four guys, uh, I think you sort of alluded before a little bit to maybe Agar that you were keen on. He's the one that you would think about stashing on your bench, job security and rotation. I, I gather is probably what's holding you back from that, but he's your man of those four. Yeah, I, I just like what I've seen from Agar um, this year. He seems to be bowling well. Um, he's got a history of bowling well in the Big Bash and he's bowling well in other formats at the moment. So he just seems like a, a good pick to me. He's getting, wick- he's getting wickets in the current Shield game. Yeah, I, I like him. Basley's interesting. They've brought him down from the heat. Um, they're obviously intending to play him. Um, yeah, it's just where's he at with with his injury? Yeah, so it was a hamstring injury that he picked up in the Shield match for Queensland. Um, so you'd expect he's touch and go for game one. Um, I think that the way that a lot of clubs are seeing that, given there's a five day break between rounds one and two in Supercatch Big Bash, there's basically five days off during the Perth Test. Um, a lot of clubs might sort of use that as a bit of a rest and recuperation period for anyone who's carrying any sort of injury um, and reassess as we get into games, you know, three and four, uh, which start again, I think, what, on the 22nd or 23rd of December. Just lost you, Tim. Yep, I uh, I fell into the old trap of leaving my, my microphone on mute. So some real seasoned veteran podcasting going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't worry, you just missed one of my uh, many hilarious quirks that I'm sure no one would have laughed at, so you didn't miss much. Um, Maxie, of those quickies that I mentioned before to Andrew, Payne, Thornton, Agar, Basley, if you had to roll the dice on one of them early and you wanted to, to store someone for round two, who would it be? 
I think when you can throw a blanket over them like you can with those three, um, I'd probably go on ownership, which would be Agar or Payne, I think. Um, but realistically, they're, they're not – you, you can't go wrong. Um, you could own all three of them for the double with your three trades if you stashed a short um, somewhere in your team. But, yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all pretty solid options. We've got an issue – and that issue is that there's been not a lot of love for H. Thornton from either of you. <laughs> Andrew, I'll start with you. Why? Oh, I just think it's he's he's a bit pricier than an Ager. I looked at Thornton. Um, you pay for value, mate. But so, sorry, you pay for quality. <laughs> you don't pay for value at all. Pay for quality. I think, like Max said, they've they've got some good bowlers there. The, there's the rotation risk. Um, you, you are. You know who are they going to finalise with now? Pains in that side, it's it does make it tricky. Someone's going to miss out, mm. and it might be their resting players. It might be they they all time their injuries. Well, who knows? But it's it's not. I, I think they're all quality bowlers. I could, I'd be happy with any of them. But I don't mm. dislike Thornton. Um, I just feel Ago would be my preferred option. Yeah, yeah. I think if you look at the team as well, without Siddle, where's Agar becomes the the tip of the spear. Um, for this bowling lineup, he's the one who's assured of his job security, um, his role. David Payne is going to be the number two. Thornton doesn't necessarily have that amazing super coach role because he's not a death bowler. Like he's going to bowl up front when it's swinging a little bit. He's going to try and sneak people off with his pace. Um, he'll try and hurry up some people in the middle overs where it's a little bit boring. Um, otherwise, you know, the big overs are going to go to Wes and, and David Payne. So um, the party overs are where. The party happens, so that's where I'd be looking before Big Hand. But look, it's really hard to argue against his body of work. Just looking last year, the strike rate of eleven point five, which like a wicket every two overs, is unbelievable. Um, most of that did come in that game two, five for three against the Sydney Thunder, uh, where they got bowled out for fifteen at Showground. Um, but you, you can't you can't laugh at uh, what he's been able to achieve today. Yeah, well, you can both get wrecked, fellas, because I'm going to pick him anyway, so stuff is <laughs> – it doesn't even matter. Some of the greats, Jason Berenoff, one of the great middle-over bowlers in the uh, in world cricket, and he still takes poles left, right and centre, and Thornton's going to do the same, so stuff is. <laughs> Boys, that is a wrap on this podcast. Before we go, though, Benny, who does great work over at Honeyball, has dropped an e-magazine. So if you like Supercoach BBL – and I'd like to think if you listen to this Supercoach BBL podcast, you probably do. Uh, he's done some great work on his e-magazine for the preseason. Both Maxie and Andrew have both punched out an article for that. Go and check it out via the Honeyball BBL Twitter. There's a link to that, mag. It's an absolute cracker. Also, guys, if you're listening, you thought, didn't mind that podcast. The boys been all right. You appreciate we put in. Do us a favour. Go and follow our socials at SC Playbook Cricket on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. We're all over the shop, guys. We're punching out plenty of content across that, so it'll be much appreciated. Boys, let's wrap that up. Max, I'll start with you, mate. Thank you, as always. Mate, would you rate me as like a Thornton tonight or a Wes Agar? You don't deserve to be mentioning the same breath as Thornton, mate, so moving on. <laughs> uh, Andrew, mate, big as always. Very, very lucky to have you on the podcast, dropping your team reveal. Uh, good luck to you and thank you. Thank you, and I'm I- – Hearing some of Maxie's team and what he's got planned, I'm, I'm getting a bit scared. He's, he's, I reckon he's playing the right game this year. Yeah, he's, he's ready to he's ready to pounce the old Maxie. Cheers for tuning in, guys, and good luck with your round one teams. We will be back before round one.